Well, welcome to Voices from the Middle. I'm your host, Michael Friedman. This is a podcast where we talk about leadership, coaching, organizational life, and all things related to that. And uh, if you feel a chill in the air, that is because we've got some uh, very special guests today coming from Canada. I really like these two guys. I just, um, I'm not so sure about their career choices as to where they ended up living, but I won't make any uh, hockey jokes or anything else. So we'll just move forward. I want to introduce to you uh, uh, Don and uh, Josh Folk. And again, they both hail from Toronto, but I'll let these guys introduce themselves. I know them from our association working together. Um, we've all uh, work within a tradition called the Requisite Organization and a gentleman named Elliot Jocks. But uh, I'll let them tell more about themselves and, and the kind of work that they do before we move forward. Uh, Don and Josh, please. Well, let me uh, kick that off, Michael, by saying uh, I'm uh, uh, a long-in-the-tooth management consultant who actually stumbled upon this line of thought that this requisite organization, Elliot Jacks, were about halfway through my career. And um, it answered a lot of questions that were, were in the air around how to organize and how to think about getting the right people in the right roles and how to deal with accountability and so on. It was a kind of a revelation to me. And uh, so that's, I'm going back to 30 years ago. And it's in that time period, uh, I've found that coming to understand that there are these definable levels of work in organizations as you try and get stuff done. And that there are similar levels of capability to handle complexity. And that part of the trick here is to get people in the in the right roles at the right level so that the work gets done at the right level and that's sort of the background to to my work which has been in industry largely um, over that time period in uh, engineering and construction and in wall street finance and um, in pulp and paper in the canadian north and so on and we've found that these approaches to organization have really helped both managers on the one side get organized and get accountability and get things to happen properly. And on the other side, help help people get ahead in their careers so that they found uh, that their work matched their capability and they really had uh, 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 an ability to do the kind of work that turned them on. And so that's the kind of area that I've been working in, and I've been very happy to be working with Joshua, who happens to be also my grandson, who is um, from the new generation, is taking this historical line of thought into uh, into the current world with some really interesting breakthroughs in his own work, and I'll let him talk about himself. Yeah. Thanks, Don. Yeah, I, I remember first running across Elliot's work in my teenage years. Thanks to you. And uh, it there was something intuitively that hit me about that as, as a really deep understanding of how people develop. Um, and so I looked at it less from a, the question of how do organizations get organized to get work done and more how do we think about talent development and um, work from, from a more human-centric perspective. And so I've, I've been working at getting more precision in how we measure this and uh, understanding what the implications are for an individual thinking about their career, how are they going to set up what their next steps are and uh, thinking about the different types of promotions you come across. Cause some of them are actually big developmental steps that you have to prepare for uh, along with some other, I think broader societal implications of um, what this capability to handle complexity, this line of development means for society our education system, how organizations can think about the increasing complexity they face and that there actually may be more um, capability in the population uh, than we used to think that's ready to step up and take on these more complex challenges. We just have to think about how organizations can make that possible by by uh, changing some of the stuff they, they do. <laughs> Josh, I'm really uh, glad we've got you. Uh, I have a chance to talk to you. I want to ask you a question as a young guy that I've been asking people that are a little bit older. And that is when when I talk to uh, younger people who are new in their career, the question comes up, well, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm not passionate about it. And I, I want to find my purpose. And I'm already 25 years old and I don't know what it is. 
Um, so what, what advice would you give to, to those people? How would you answer that question? Yeah, that's a good question. The way, the way I think about it is um, every time I think I know what I'd like to do with my life, if I'm open to the world, that will change. There's going to be it's sort of like music in the sense that there's a chorus. There's something similar, some repeating pattern. But if I'm open, I'll, I'll find the right path and I'll never I can never predict what that path is. So my advice is. You may not know exactly what it looks like, but pay attention to what's catching your interest in the moment and be open to the possibilities and you'll end up where you need to. Um, but don't think you're going to know what that is when you're starting out. It's, it's just about um, applying yourself to what's interesting in the moment. Josh, what about uh, somebody responding? Um, I've had colleagues that say, listen, don't worry about that, um, that, that, that fit. Or, or, you know, what calls to you or whatever, just focus on developing a competency or a brand today, something you're good at, something that you, you know, some value you can add to the uh, company. What, what did you do? And have you got a skill set that's fundamental that kind of drives you and helps you find the chorus? Yeah, I'd say um, in in a, my main thing that I'm known for with most people is, is this requisite organization work uh, and particularly thinking about human development. Um, and, but I, you know, I, I got my um, university degree in entrepreneurship. I've been an entrepreneur before I was interested in the um, capability to handle complexity stuff. So I've got a um, less refined and narrowed skill set, I would say. Um, but my, my, my sense of it is I've noticed a pull in a particular direction and it has to do with, what is this line of development and uh, how do you measure it and what are the implications? And so that's what I'm following right now. Um, but to the other people who maybe don't have a, a strong sense of that, like this thing sort of hit me intuitively at a very deep level when I first saw it. And most of my peers, I don't think have that experience. Um, but what I've seen them be successful with is um, fully applying themselves in whatever it is. It might not be a job they particularly like. You don't necessarily have to like it, but there's something in your life that's calling to you when, when you come across it. And that might be, as you're saying, just building a skill on the side or, or, um, but, but you have to use yourself as an instrument your, your, um, sense of interest as an instrument. That's something in you that's trying to manifest. And so you just have to pay attention to that. Very good. Don, any, any thoughts about this area? Well, I, I think that there, Josh mentioned there's been a, a kind of a mismatch between the way people think about their organization structures and the capability that's at hand. And um, Bonnie and I, that's my my partner in life and also in my profession as a management consultant, and I wrote a, a book three or four years ago called The Smart Creative that looked at this more carefully. And there were really two fundamental findings in it that, um, that sort of shape the way people should be looking at their organizations and what they're trying to do. One is the thing that Josh is on here about the young people being um, more, more capable to handle complexity than previous generations. And we, we called this in our book the talent upshift. And what it really meant was we have far more capability and far more capability early on in people's lives than often the way companies organize to handle it. And that they're missing a bet in a company when they don't get really precise about the level of complexity of the work that they're asking young people to do and match it with the capabilities, rising capability in the population so that there's a, they're, they're missing, a, they're really missing a very important bet. And my sense is that this may be worse in the larger companies that I see. And it's something that the smaller startup community gets right more often than not. Um, that's the one end of the spectrum. The other is that you know, we've got people um, living longer and and that we, we've had a tendency in the, in the population to think, oh, well, once people are 65, we need to put them out to pasture because they can no longer do the work. Well, we're missing a bet at that end, too, because the, particularly the high-capability people, capability continues to rise and grow in their 60s and 70s and even into their 80s. And, you know, it's no... I remember when Ronald Reagan became president, everybody was appalled that he was 71 years old. Well, you think about the last president and the current one in the United States, he was just a kid. <laughs> but 
the current Joe Biden is going to be in his 80s as president of the United States. Well, as long as something doesn't go wrong with his mental equipment, he's going to be a lot smarter than he was when he was 60. And it's that end of the spectrum that the organizations are very often missing. So if you think about that, you really want to get smart with your smarts, then you need to organize around that in a different way. Those were the ideas, some of the ideas we explored in our Smart Creative book. And of course, um, we, we had Josh interviewed as the fourth chapter. He was talking in our book about the sorts of things he just said about the focus on, um, on, on, on career that was fulfilling. And I think that's all a part of the formula. Get people matched with the role. So the work's done at the right level and the capabilities applied at the right level. And it's fulfilling. Yeah, well, and if I could, if I could just jump in with that, I'd say that uh, there's something about this capability to handle complexity that when we uh, debrief people and talk about their experiences in life and they, they, they understand the model so they can talk about this, they often, uh, there's a friction if you're working in a job that's uh, a level below the stage you're operating at right now, you get this sort of experience of disengagement very quickly. And what happens is you may be perfectly capable of doing the work, but for some reason you, you burn out really quickly and you just disengage. Uh, the, the other end of that spectrum is if you're in a job that's a little ahead of where you are, it can feel overwhelming and sometimes you chunk down the work to where you can feel comfortable and, and operate at. But if you find this match between um, the stage of development you're at, how you perceive the world, um, the, uh, the way that you'd, you, the, the complexity that you'd like to be operating with, um, and if that's matched to your work, that's one of the necessary parts of a fulfilling job. And if you don't have that, um, you're going to feel a little lost. And what one of the patterns we've noticed is um, if you have some of these people who are developing quicker than they should be, um, given the way our, our society is organized and expecting them to develop, um, by the time they reach 20s or uh, like late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, they're ready for an executive role from a complexity perspective. They might not have some of the other elements and the skills, and this is what you have to start to plan for and get precise about uh, preparing them for that transition. But they, they normally leave and go start a business or do something else because they need to have an outlet for that. Uh, and, and they just um, sometimes confuse not having the right level of work with not having something you're passionate about. And, and sometimes simply just giving you something that's a heavy enough load to carry for what you're, what you're cognitively ready for um, provides meaning for you. Josh, that's very important what you just said about, um, again, finding meaning by having uh, a workload that is commensurate with your capacity and that in and of itself. Let me take the flip side of the argument, gentlemen, and it goes something like this. I understand that you're talking about the, the necessary match between a job and somebody's level of complexity, their ability to handle complexity. But uh, uh, again, I'm being devil's advocate here. But inside our company, although they might have the, the raw horsepower, they just don't have the knowledge and skills. They don't have the experience. So I just can't slot them into a role that's that's big enough for them yet because they don't have the uh, the, the corresponding skills and, and knowledge base to do it. So how do I accommodate that? So they're all set, they're they're young and ready to go, but boy, they don't know some of the basics. So please address that for me. Sure. Um, so I have a couple of things to say. One of them is. Um, there's some, this is where some precision is needed in measurement. There's some people um, that will be in that case and, and certainly they don't have maybe both the knowledge and skills and maybe they haven't even built up some of the leadership capabilities or, you know, worked on their personality enough that they're, they're not going to have too much friction uh, between their work. Um, but depending on how quick they're growing, their growth trajectory that we can also measure, um, that may not be as big a problem, and, and it may be as simple as finding them a mentor for the role, and it could take six months or a year of picking up the skill. Some people can pick it up quite quickly. It's one of one of the components uh, that, that seems to be happening. It's not just that people can handle more complexity. It's that they're developing at a more rapid pace than we're used to. But alternatively, I think this is where planning needs to be in place, because uh, I've certainly seen experiences where the person has the horsepower, and they're feeling the pain of the mismatch but they don't have the other pieces in place. And if you could get that a couple of years before they're going to make the transition, because when we do our assessments, we can measure the stage you're operating at 
and the likely transitions throughout your life, the likely timeline. Now, it's not set in stone. There's some uh, developmental range you can go through. Um, but if you get it five years in advance, you can build up, maybe put them, for example, if they're going into a general management role or some vice president role, give them experience cross-functionally. Um, give them some training before they're cognitively ready. And it, it actually has a secondary effect, which is that if you're uh, with what we would call this transition from uh, a director role, which is generally managing a process, um, thinking about uh, downstream causal effects, planning a year or two out, um, and and making the shift to managing a system that that process is couched in. So it's managing trade-offs, managing... Um, creating new processes to fit all the other processes that are there. So it's, it, it needs a broadening of perspective and um, almost becoming multilingual. So you're not just looking at it from a marketing perspective. You need to understand operations and HR and finance, et cetera. And so if you can recognize that the person is going to be there in a couple of years, it's much easier to, to line up the other things they need for that timeline. Done. Well, I, I certainly echo that. And uh, um, I think the other thing to recognize here is that um, that the, the work being done in a lot of companies is shifting upward, too. And there's, you know, we, we've taken the estimates that Elliot Jacks made 40, 50 years ago about the proportion of people in the population. He had something like 40 percent of the population capable of doing only level one work or stage one work. Well, if you actually look at what's happened to the population in that time period, there is no longer 40% of the people in that range. It's down to about 8% because they've, in fact, migrated up into a higher level of capability. And there's there's this sort of gnashing of teeth and tearing of hair. What are we going to do as work disappears for these people? Well, the other side of the equation here is that the people are disappearing and are not available for the work, you know, and so it's, it, 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 and you see this maybe most clearly in the technical areas, the IT areas, where level one coding work is virtually disappearing. Stage one coding work is virtually disappearing. Maybe a lot of stage two coding work is on the way out too, as, as artificial intelligence actually writes the program. And it, it's a it's a question I think of of recalibrating the way organizations think about their distribution of, of functions and roles and being precise about their levels going forward so that you're not just dealing with what needs to happen to the individuals, but what needs to happen to the roles to take advantage of this rise in capability. Because part of the mismatch is that the roles aren't being upgraded fast enough to match the capability of the young people. And if you can get that mapped properly, the problem isn't so much skills and experience as, as that match, I would say. Not to say that getting the right skills and experience isn't also very important, but the smarter the young people, the quicker studies they are. So it's, it's, it's calibration on both sides of this and then getting it aligned and moving ahead, thinking ahead five or 10 years in a strategic sense about the trajectory of roles as well as the trajectory of people. Don and Josh, you know, you and I, we, we, we share an understanding when we talk about people's, quote, capability or their ability to deal with complexity. Uh, we have a shared understanding. But for people who are listening to this, uh, they might hear this as, oh, these guys are talking about high potentials or what or they might ask, what are they what are they what are you really looking for? Are you looking for behavioral markers? Are you giving people an IQ test? What do you mean, uh, Josh, when you say, well, we can measure with some degree of complexity? What are we measuring? What are we looking for? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So the, the way I think about this is um, what we're measuring. Is, so the first thing I'll say is human work is really about making judgments. Uh, and it's not, uh, this is part of our understanding of the difference between AIs. It's really a brute calculation as opposed to making a judgment in a, um, a less definable space. And, and what the, the way organisms operate is the, from the time you're born, you have a mental model in your mind somewhere that's not fully conscious that allows you to operate in the world, allows you to map the environment and navigate it. Uh, but very soon, uh, you realize you bump up where the complexity of that mental model doesn't match the environment effectively to uh, do the goal-seeking behavior you'd like to do. You can't touch the cookie because you, you know, now it's up on the 
uh, a table somewhere. And, you know, as a toddler, you got to figure out what that next layer is. Well, this is a, a pattern um, that repeats is you actually stack. It's like nesting Russian dolls, different layers of complexity onto your mental models. And this happens throughout your life. And so when we talk about stage one of uh, capability to handle complexity or CHC, we're really talking about um, the third order of complexity. So there's a ton of stages you've already gone through through childhood, but this is the first one that we would consider adult work, work that organizations are dealing with. And what we're measuring is the the level of stacking you've done so far and then estimating um, how much you can do given the pace you've been doing it at, so given your age. And what, what comes with each of these transitions, every time you stack a new layer on, there's like a subject-object shift. So you move from being able to see from a perceptive perspective and uh, being able to manipulate and work with um, one thing. So at stage one, this would be one task. You're able to work with and shape the physical world like frontline manufacturing or um, doing clerical work. Um, whereas when you move to stage two, you're actually starting to do more troubleshooting and pulling together multiple elements. And, and now it's less about actually doing the physical shaping and it's starting to create a plan for the next couple of months. And so this type of pattern repeats itself. And so what we're measuring, the other way to think about it is in, sorry, a difference between um, uh, complexity and, and being complicated. Um, and so uh, something that's complicated can be brought down to an algorithm. It just has a lot of parts and needs a lot of computational power. And AI is allowing us to do this at a remarkable pace. But that's still very, very different than operating in an unknown space and dealing with multiple components. And there's actual logic structures that get unlocked. So as, as you move from one stage to the next, what you're really doing is noticing all the things you were previously unaware of and mapping out those new relationships. So I understand that there's a root cause to this problem, but I didn't see how that was uh, interacting with a whole system of other root causes, basically. And so it's that type of work um, that, that we're dealing with. It's, it's a person's perception and ability to navigate uh, co complex problems. Nicely said. Don, do you want to add to that? Well, just say that the, that the way of assessing this, it, this is something both more and different than IQ. IQ is kind of a one-dimensional measure, whereas, whereas this, is, this, is a, this is a precise way of getting a hold of the chunking as you go from stage one to stage two to stage three and four. In, in, in an earlier day, we would have said stage one was frontline work, stage two was the first level of management, stage three was middle management, and stage four was general management. And yes, that applies in some organization settings, but a lot of the stage one work is disappearing, as I say. And a lot of the work at um, stage three is uh, individual contributor work. It's not a managerial issue. It's a professional issue. And that shows up also in, in stage, a lot of stage four work, particularly in, in the IT space. And, of course, you know, you can say pretty clearly that almost any company in any industry is basically an IT company 2021 going forward. But really, that's the way you manage is through the technical world. And uh, you've got to be able to understand that really clearly. Almost all of the work that, that I've done in this space over the years has been in much more a physical world, the construction and engineering work world where you build stuff, for example. Um, that That's not, not so much the future. And um, uh, we could see career paths very clearly in that particular space, whereas in the work Joshua is doing, the assessment work that he's doing, it's done incidentally by personal interviews, which then are reconciled. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the, the way that he and his partner have been able to take this assessment technique to a, a much higher level, much more quickly, much more efficiently than we were able to do it before. And out of this, I think, just to, it's very interesting in the data that this company, his puzzle company, has has uh, found that uh, there there are a hell of a lot 
more high potential young people in the space, in the world out there. And uh, they're, they're trying to find a, a place in, in the organizational world that um, where they can really have impact. We see it in the data. Don, stay with us for a moment. So when you say high potential, do you mean somebody who is IQ, high on IQ? Do you mean somebody that can move quickly through these stages? They can do this mental stacking more quickly than other people? What, what are you referring to? I'm talking about people that have the potential down the road to be able to operate at very high levels of complexity, to manage very high levels of complexity. And this is... Uh, a way of chunking the, var the variables in the environment, whatever they are. They could be people management variables. They could be technical management variables in a way that allows them to solve the problems that the organization needs solved. And it's partly a matter of this linear IQ, but it's, part it's mostly a matter of having the ability to form the judgments necessary to get the job done. It's a very, very pragmatic thing. And um, uh, Elliot Jacks, in his later years, got clearer about what sorts of verbal cues that people, when they talked about problem solving, told us to look for to see it. And um, Joshua's work and ours, I guess, and some of the work we've done at Wall on Wall Street has taken this a long way forward. We're, we're much better than we used to be at... Um, picking up the level of capability a person is at and the trajectory that they uh, are most likely on, and that therefore identifying the transitions as they're, they're heading into, and this is a basic communication with the individual, and also with the, with the organization. Um, so what I'm, what I'm saying here is that it's both a measurement method and it's a feedback method, because you need to take what you see in the individual and, and explain to them what you see. And, and, and I'm going to ask Josh to talk about this part because I think this is where the real payoff we've seen with individuals is, Please. is in the feedback and what they can do with it. Great. Yeah. Josh? Yeah. So um, just before I get into that, I'd also say um, when trying to compare or map this against IQ, one of the ways to think about it is IQ is a, a static measure of your fluid intelligence. And, you know, if you, if you look at IQ, it goes down, you know, in your late twenties. And, um, what we're really measuring is something that's more crystallized intelligence. It's your actual, uh, the complexity of the mental models you built that doesn't disappear in your twenties. It actually continues to grow throughout your life. And, uh, your IQ maybe changes the speed with which you can, um, start to crystallize these mental models, but it's, uh, we're, we're, we're measuring a dynamic uh, uh, thing that is much more related to making judgments for work. So as Don was saying, quite practical. Um, on the feedback piece, this has been one of the more rewarding things of this work. Um, when giving the feedback, the experience I've had is people recognize these stages when you're able to articulate them to the person. And they already know it at some level. They didn't have the language for it and they didn't see it quite as clearly. And what it, what the effect seems to be is that people say something along the lines of, wow, you know, I, I didn't know I had that potential in the future. I knew where I was today, but I didn't know what path I was on. And it really seems to give them a, a lot of confidence and energy moving forward for development. And then the other effect is, oh, this explains my situation, and now I know what I need to work on. Um, so, you know, I, I had this tension, but I couldn't put words to it. Now that I know that's what it is. Um, so, uh, you know, recognizing that maybe you're actually operating at a level that's higher than the work you're given, and you're feeling that tension, but you're not ready for the next step. Now I know the skills I need to be looking at to, to come together, and I have language to describe the tension. So I've, I found the feedback itself seems to be developmental in the long term, that the person, if you give them that little nudge, takes it and um, is able to do what they need to, to do what they want with their career. Josh, let me ask you, that makes sense. Let me ask you if, uh, if it might go the other way. And what I mean is this, you're giving me the feedback, for example, and you say, well, you know, Mike, um, your future looks good. Um, looks like you're going to be able to manage this department right now. You know, you're only a team member, but you're on a trajectory where I don't have any problem seeing that you could actually run this department or another department. And I go, 
well, that's great. You just talked to my friend Leo, and you told Leo he could be a general manager. And I know Leo. I think I could be a general manager too. So you're telling me that I have less trajectory than Leo does? Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things I was expecting. Like, like we've gone into debriefs where, you know, our message was something like, you're starting a company as an entrepreneur and you've probably started it too early, um, meaning you're not ready for this. And the response I got was you put language to what I was feeling. Hmm. Um, and so that seems to be the pattern of this, that um, people know there's differences uh, in, in other people. And, and we're not saying this is a static measure. I mean, we're not saying you're destined for this. Um, you still have to do the development. I mean, it's not a guarantee. And we're not saying that if uh, I've had ex- enough experience personally and with people that I think there's malleability to this. So if you really want to go higher, this is the these are the stages you have to go through. And we're just saying, given the speed you've been going through them so far, this is where you're going to get. Um, and if you'd like to change the speed, uh, you can do it, but it's going to take a lot of work. So um, we've we haven't had as much resistance as I thought we would when we were doing the debriefs. So to go back to the example, so you're not saying I can't be like Leo and be a general manager. You're just saying the way it is now and my rate of trajectory, I'm just going to have to work harder. Yeah, I'm saying if you continue to uh, build the mental models at the rate you're building them, this is where you'll end up. And that, you know, the experience I can talk about personally, I was at a certain stage and you know, I was thinking through a problem and Don was in the room and he just asked me a um, probing question because I think there's actually a lot of um, developmental applications for this. Uh, And he asked me a question from the stage ahead purposely, uh, which was basically to say, well, it's great. You've got all these processes, but how do they relate to each other? And that's part of the transition from three to four. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. It still took me two years to make that transition. But I, what happened is I stopped trying to fill out in more detail the processes I was working on and started to focus on what that next stage looks like. What, what is the other relationship between the things I see in my environment that's at a higher order? And uh, so, so the, if you're aware of the stage you're operating at and the other stages that need to happen, then you know what you can work on. Uh, and, and so there's malleability in that way. I mean, I went through transitions, I think, faster than I should have given that. Uh, and I've also seen other cases where people say something to the effect of, I'm perfectly content with this. I feel seen and valued, even though we're saying at the current pace, you're not going to make another transition, but they were perfectly happy with that. And the message was in the role you're in, you could be the best person who's ever done this. Like you've got the capability, um, but you might not feel a natural interest of going to the next stage, which was the case. Very good. Uh, Don, before I ask the next question, any, any follow-up, uh, any other follow-up comments to uh, Josh's? No, no, I think he's covered the ground very well there. Uh, and I've been quite interested to some of the people I've seen him coaching uh, say to me, you know, I, I just had an, I just had a performance review and my boss was telling me that he thought I was ready to do such and such and such and such that I wasn't before. And that's perfect CHC, this person said. That's the stage I recognize that I'm just transitioning through. And this person would not have been able to understand that or articulate it without the coach. And I think this is part of what Josh says. Josh sees as the malleability here, that that people really do have the capability of understanding themselves. So sort of their meta-understanding of where they are, where their next possibility is, and the recognition of what needs to transition, what needs to happen in order to get to the next stage. So there's there's um, there's a very powerful uh, influence of, of good coaching here. Now, part of this can be done by a person's manager in the requisite organization tradition. Part of it really needs to be done by the manager's manager, the person who's one level up, who's not so focused on what needs to happen in the next year, but is looking at the person from the point of view of the career path. 
then can open up parallel opportunities for the person to get the right things that they need to support the skilled knowledge and experience needed for these transitions. So, so it's 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 a way of making more precise. I wouldn't be inclined to say more scientific. The process of individual coaching or mentorship in an organization, rather than let's just sit around and talk about what you're interested in and we'll, you know, so on. But let's look specifically at where you are in these capability of handling complexity terms, what the next transition is going to be, what skill, knowledge, and experience do you need as part of it? What will that transition look like? What do you need to stop focusing on what I said, the processes, and think about how they interact? It's kind of a a big aha that can be coached. And once one's mind is on that, it's amazing what can happen. So I think that there's a I think that there's a a real possibility here of making the organization mentoring coaching processes much, much more effective than they have been in the past. Gentlemen, implicitly what in what you're saying is that number one, people are in different places today regarding their ability to deal with complexity. And number two, their rate of stacking, as as, uh, Josh calls it, the rate of development is different. So they're in different places. The rate that they're going is different. And finally, they're going to end up in different places. Not everybody's going to be able to be a general manager. While I I mean, I agree with that. Does that fly in the face of current uh, political sensibilities today? Are you concerned at all? Like that this differentiation really is against an idea of equality or equity or anything like that? Um, I'll, I'll start with the answer there because I've been, I was very concerned about that when I first discovered this. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm coming up in a younger generation and in the air there's uh, a resistance to an idea of hierarchy, particularly one that is a, a, any idea of a biological determinant. Exactly. Um, and, and so my experience with this is the reaction to hierarchy that's in the air is there um, because the way we've thought about organizations got us to where it needed to, but now its limitations are showing. And and when you take CHC out of uh, how requisite organization prescribes uh, structures that are more like the old mining companies and construction companies that are hierarchically driven, this is an opportunity to think about work independent of those hierarchies. And and it adds a developmental hierarchy um, that, that, that might let you actually do that effectively. So what I'm trying to say is if you take the principles of CHC, what we're really trying to do is let people express themselves. And people are different, uh, and they will express themselves differently. But if you give them the structure, they can all be treated uh, equally with fairness, etc. And if you take... Um, if you take CHC and you think about hierarchy, one of the reasons people push back against hierarchy is organizations were not being precise enough about how they measured talent and organized to get work done. And so when you violate these CHC principles, people have experiences of, my boss is just micromanaging me, I don't have any creative outlet, and nothing ever happens here. And uh, part of the reason is if you had somebody who's at stage three, being managed by somebody who's at stage three, being managed by somebody who's at stage three, they're working on the same object. All you have, all you can do as a manager is tell them how to do it your way. If you have somebody at stage four managing somebody at stage three, what they're really doing is here's the problem I'm working on. Here's the level of complexity I'm working on. Can you handle this piece? And I can give you all the context you need to do that, but that's your creative domain. So I'll tell you when it's bumping into the other parts of the system, but that's just context setting. And, and when you set that up, people naturally recognize that. And a lot of the negative reactions to hierarchy go away because it's um, you can actually look at that as you're helping the person do their work better because you're giving them the context they need in a natural following these natural laws. And you're also developing them because when when the person comes back and says, I, you know, I can't get this part of the project to work and their managers have a, a higher perspective, they've, they're ahead of them in the development the questions they ask and the perspective they provide, the feedback they provide is also developmental to the individual. Uh, and so all of that to say, if 
if you use CHC as a tool to try and reinforce existing systems the way they are, you should be pushing back against that. But if you if you look at this as uh, understanding a more precise way to think about how people do work and how people can cooperate in organizations to get work done, um, my experience is people don't have as much of a pushback when, when they've experienced that. You know, I think, Michael, the, uh, the Google, Palantir, Shopify world has understood this, but they haven't known quite what to do with it. So they've said, we don't want hierarchy. So we're going to have one person trying to manage 300 people. And, of course, that didn't work for them. And so they've been dealing with different different things like agile teams and so on. And smart people will sort it out. There's no question. But it's possible to be much more deliberate and much more scientific about what's needed to get these structures right. Not structures in the old command and control sense, but in in a in a creative enabling sense that there's that, that there are ways of doing this that are that also help align accountability yeah so i just lost in these other configurations yeah and, and so i'd like to just like add to that it's it's uh there's a a natural value system that's emerging that's anti-hierarchy but it's it what really needs to happen uh, is a reincorporation of some form of structure that is hierarchical that helps support it. And so if you throw out hierarchy, you just create a lot more problems. And you actually, what people are really looking for is an opportunity to express themselves and get the work done and in a meaningful way. Um, and you can't, you can't do that with no structure and you can't do it with too rigid a structure, especially when the structure is um, violating basic principles of how people operate in the world. And so there's an opportunity, an emerging opportunity to think about how we shape stuff so that because uh, one of the things is, is the work you're really paying people for are judgments. And if your structures are in a command and control, purely a command and control bit, and there's no bottom up feedback, authentic, organic feedback that's coming up, you're really not getting what you're paying for. You're paying for that the person's sense and perception of the world, and so um, the structures need to be there, but they need to be in a in a way that that has both top down and up down, uh, bottom up feedback, uh, and that that can't be done with the way hierarchies are right now because they're too rigid and they're not they're not set up um, with CHC in mind. And, and so I, I see examples of emerging ones and the stuff like Google, where the, the sentiment was, let's get rid of the thing. And they actually came back with, from a, a big data perspective, Google in particular, um, came back with the exact right number of levels that CHC would have prescribed as here's what we need. Uh, and so, you know, there's more than one way to get at this as a, a construct, but it, it, it's, we're not, we're not just saying, oh, you know, the work is too complex, so we need to chunk it here. We're saying there's, these are developmental steps people go through. This is how people operate. And so, yeah. So, gentlemen, you're talking about uh, the notion of complexity, and you use a term called CHC. So you want to explain to that what that means and, and uh, uh, where that comes from? Sure. So what we mean by that is capability to handle complexity, and it really has to do with the uh, – how far you've gone in stacking different levels of complexity of mental models. So it gives you, uh, it's a measure of how you perceive the world, how you operate, the size of complex problems that you can currently handle. And it comes from a long, uh, about a 70 year history of, of some psychological research um, in industry and military uh, that basically discovered there's distinct levels of work uh, that come in distinct uh, levels of complexity and that people develop throughout their life over different stages of an ability to handle that complexity. And so we call that CHC. Great. Thanks, Josh. Good. Let's, let's continue this conversation if we can. I just want to pause here and just remind people where we're at. You gentlemen have talked about the fact that we need to consider two sides of an equation, people's development, 
their ability to handle complexity. Josh, I like your description of the, their ability to stack information and to create mental models that can see and handle more complexity. So there's that going on. And Josh, you guys have spent some time being able to more effectively measure that to see what stage people are at. And at the same time, we recognize that we're an organization, so we need to match people's capability uh, with uh, the work that they do. So my question is, and you, you've mentioned it a little bit, what else can organizations do on the on the work side to match up with people's capability? Um, uh, so what kind of structures or what kind of work design? We talked about preparing people with the knowledge and skills they need a little bit earlier on. But if you look at that side of the equation, what else would you would you all like to say that can that organizations can do to again ensure this better match between people and uh, their their work? Josh, you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. I, I don't. The thing that's coming to mind is, in some ways, I think that most of what's holding stuff back is things that are in the way. Uh, and by that, I mean if you can have a an open conversation with somebody about here's where you're going, here's where you are, and we understand that. Here's what the organization's work looks like. So, also understanding the complexity inherent in the challenges the organization face. If you look. Uh, if, if you're dealing with, uh, you don't want to be competing directly with Google. And there's other companies like that. They're raising the level of complexity they're solving problems at. So, you, you know, there's the, the firm itself has to be thinking about the complexity of the industry they're in, the work, is that changing? Uh, and so an open conversation about here's where you are as an individual, here's where we are in terms of looking at the work moving forward. My sense is in the moment there, if, if that's on the table and that's a common language and thing used to orient uh, the situation. You don't need a prescribed process or procedure as much as um, openness with the individual that in, in that conversation, the right stuff will come up, um, that you're, you're meeting the person with the minimum structure they need. Josh, I want to earmark that, uh, tag that as a very important comment. Um, and if, if we did nothing else but start the conversation with that frame, or even the coaching conversation. Let's not just talk about you, but let's talk about the demands of the organization. That's not how we usually start our coaching conversations. It's really, uh, we, we don't have, so I think that frame of reference is really very important. Yeah, like the way I look at it is it's, um, yeah. oh, this might sound crazy to some people, but organizations are themselves an emergent organism. Uh, and it's the same way that the cells in your body um, operate outside of our awareness into some uh, into us, uh, some form of consciousness. We're doing the same thing with an organization. And the organization has goals. Um, and so it's about just finding something that mutually benefits uh, both parties. And if you go with an openness to say, here's as a group of people what we're trying to accomplish. We're, we know what our mission is. We understand the complexity that's inherent, the work that'll need to happen. Um, and here's an, as an individual what you're interested in. You might not know your purpose, but, you know, there's uh, operating from the perspective of this is what we need. What do you need? Even just that question. Um, and what do you need in the context of how, how might this be mutually beneficial? Uh, that, that's all you need to do. Mutually beneficial. Well said. Don, your, your thoughts about this? Well, I, what was going through my mind uh, as Josh was talking about this was the sort of perennial desire of the human resource people to have a seat at their C-suite table and be experts in strategy. And there's all this sort of talk about, well, our human resources are our most important asset and so on. But um you know, the, a lot, of, a lot of this, a lot of what's being said here about the complexity of the work, the complexity of the organization, the complexity of the industries, and what that means in very specific terms, and then what's what sort of path of um, capability do we need to have, capability to handle this complexity, and where is it going to come from? Uh, uh, it it puts the human resource world or chief people officer world in in this in a strategic frame of reference mm. and um, I, I think the degree to which that conversation between executives and chief executives and their chief people officers if it can be framed around that that everybody can get to see what human resource strategy really is about all about 
because it is this alignment with the organization's strategy through a, through a complexity minefield going ahead that really that's really going to sort out the companies that have staying power from the ones who don't. And and take that into take that comment earlier I made about you know all these companies basically going forward are IT companies like the the Dilbert cartoon is the statement in my mind of of the way that oil and water is seen out there around this issue the guy with the curly hair who never seems to know what's happening that that's the that's the way the high tech people see managers and it, it, they're very often capable capable of handling complexity at level three and the technical work they're trying to supervise is is being done at higher levels than that and no wonder they seem inept and stupid right and so it's a misalignment and the alignment really is the key here an alignment around complexity which can be measured both on what's the work required and what's the capability required to do that work. That's that's where the alignment can be made strategically. Well said. Josh? Yeah, so I, I think there's my sense of what I'm trying to do is really bring CHC the construct into the world. So, yeah, I have a services business that can do consulting and assessments. Long term, I have some other more scalable things that I'd like to see happen in the area of development and education and capital markets. But I think um, the the thing that's important here is what Don's saying about alignment and, and that all the conversations I've heard and as I go out in the world uh, and have conversations about CHC, uh, people intuitively pick up places that this can be applied. Um, How we think about matching people to work, how we think about uh, career development and coaching. And my sense is that as a society, our awareness is around the types of problems that are important today. It used to be that you just had to organize to get the work done. And there was dealing with scale and, and a bunch of um, of the challenges of the last century, where today we're dealing with more complex, quicker, um, emergent challenges. And uh, it, it's a process of people recognizing people are important in that, the p- people are the core of the business. People are always saying the right things. And what I see CHC as is one of the m- main tools that actually makes the the sentiment possible at a concrete level um, that, that you can now with precision measure the types of things people talk about. Is this the right fit? Well, this is one of one of the backbones of, of having that conversation that you, you know, there's obviously other elements that are important, but if you get this one right, you can have a conversation about the other ones um, with, with a shared frame of reference. So it, it's all of that to say, I think it starts with measurement, and alignment and, and the creation of a common language for the problems you're trying to solve. And then you go into the situation with other people. And because you have that common language, the right thing will emerge from the conversation if you frame it rightly or correctly. Yeah. Josh, just to wrap things up, but why don't you tell, why don't you tell us what you're working on right now? I know I've, we've not talked in, a, talked in a while and I'm kind of curious. Um, so t- t- what are you guys working on? What, what's the newest and latest? Uh, I'm trying to decide how much to say the, We've we've we're continuing basically to do work in the services space. Um, we're I'm really focused on continuing to improve how we're assessing this. I'm really happy with how we do it, but I don't think it's scalable because uh, it's still quite manual. So the, the, for context, what we do is we'll uh, do a 35 or 30 to 45 minute conversation. It's an interview assessment. We just ask people open-ended questions about issues facing society. What emerges from that are unconscious structures that help us measure what we're measuring. Um, But it's still, uh, although there's a methodology and processes in it, it's still highly manual and very, very skilled labor. And so uh, one of the things I'm working on is trying to get in a position where we can scale this. I think there's some, uh, there's a couple pathways to that. Uh, So that's one. And then, uh, one of the pathways we see is we actually think there's a, an arbitrage opportunity in, in public markets, uh, particularly in the IPO space, uh, because what you can look at is um, most of uh, the public markets operate very well on lagging indicators. And this is a 
this is something that, that gives us a much longer confidence horizon. Everyone says they're going to do X, Y, or Z in the blockchain space or whatever. Um, but it seems that this, by the time a company is public um, and, and they haven't been priced right because the lagging indicators haven't kicked in, uh, that this is highly predictive of which companies have staying power and will grow into the Googles and Amazons. And so we're thinking about how we might position ourselves to take advantage of that uh, as a fund. Uh, but we're in the early stage. We're, we're making sure we don't have any false negatives, false positives. And so we're doing some extra research here. But uh, that's one of my main passion projects at the moment. And then long term, I've got an idea of bringing together a number of technologies that provides a scalable solution for development and education. Um, so you get targeted. Uh, you get the right information and nudges at the right time tailored to your development. And it's continuous throughout your life. Um, so you get match to the right mentors at the right time, the right peers, the right information and educational material, uh, that, that sort of thing. Um, that, that's actually possible to do, I think, but uh, that'll take quite a bit to put together. Great. Well, I'd I'd just like to please just add to that, Michael, that, that uh, Josh has been doing some very interesting work with medium-sized companies of where they where their senior HR people do see the importance of getting these things right but don't know quite how to do it. These are companies in very pragmatic businesses uh, that uh, where they have, um, you know, uh, uh, half a dozen or maybe a dozen people in key roles. They, they, need to, they need to understand what their capability is. The individuals need to understand what they need to do to develop. And um, I, my, my role here often is to either do, do interviews for him on the phone or else work with him on reconciling them because that's the process we use to make sure that, you know, we're not kidding ourselves in what we see. And um, then Joshua does the feedback to individuals very powerful um, in terms of getting the organized, helping the organization move ahead with major changes they're trying to make. I'm not talking in this case necessarily about the high-tech world. I'm talking about the the world of it, you know, mid-sized companies trying to operate in pragmatic spaces and 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 trying to absorb the technologies they need in order to support these spaces. Um, it, it's a difficult time for management, I would say. And every tool they can get that really gives them reliability helps move them ahead. And I and I think that what Joshua is working on is really going to be, you know, two, five, ten years down the road here, essential for a lot of companies. Well, no, just add quickly too that there's a uh, an applic there's a there's a lot of talk as well about bias uh, and bias in hiring and development practices, uh, and that's a concern for me as well. And I think that based on the nature of what we're assessing here, that this might, this might help with that. I mean, we've noticed, uh, not necessarily in large data here, but anecdotally, uh, lots of places where people's, uh, because of other identity characteristics, are being underutilized. Uh, and part of the reason they're being underutilized, they also weren't given the opportunity to build up the knowledge and skills and experience. Um, and so I think from a succession planning perspective, uh, there's an application here as let's make sure we're not biasing who we're giving opportunities to develop to early. Um, and, and so uh, everything that Don was talking about as well, we're working on. But I think uh, I think long term, there's, there's lots of implications for what this might do for organizations. Right. This idea of separating people into high potential and not high potential, I think, is a is a wrong dichotomy because really, with what's happening with people here, everybody's a high potential. It's just that they're different different levels of potential, and they're all important for getting the work done. And people in companies actually know that. They know that they really need to have the very, very best work done on customer service, just to take an example, uh, or sales, or that they, and they need to match the sales capability to the customer capability. I mean, there's a lot of precision here available if you really apply what Josh is working on. No, I think you guys have done a very um, good, made, made a very good case that when we talk about complexity 
as a way to improve organizations and a way to enhance employee satisfaction. It's not to, uh, it's not a measure or a way to, it's not punitive. It's not a way to put people in boxes as much as to, uh, I would say, enlarge uh, and make possible everybody's uh, development. And uh, I just don't think we've paid enough attention to what this concept of complexity means. And Don, to your earlier point, when we use that to align the organization, uh, it's a very powerful concept. And I appreciate the work that you guys are doing. And uh, uh, I think you've done a, a nice job of explaining that to, uh, to the audience. Any final comments uh, from Josh or, or, or are you done? I would just say if you're interested in learning a bit more about what we're doing, uh, you can go to Tuzzle.co. That's T-U-Z-Z-L-E.co. Uh, it's the best place to reach us right now. And uh, I would just say in all the work I'm doing, I'm constantly impressed with the capability of people, meaning uh, I'd say even more the potential, the untapped potential. It gives me great optimism that there's lots and lots of really difficult challenges facing our society right now, facing our businesses. Uh, but we have a lot more capability than we're using. Uh, so I'll just leave on that optimistic note. Well said. I would just say again to that. Very good. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, appreciate your insight and uh, and the conversation this afternoon. Nice talking to you, Michael. Right. Thank you. Thanks, guys.